The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Turn with me to Psalm 119. Uh, Today we're going to be dealing with Aleph, uh, the first letter of the alphabet uh, for the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, Aleph is verses 1 to 8. While you're turning there and getting your notes and everything ready, John Bunyan the man who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he testified, he said this, and I think this is absolutely vital for us today. He said, read the Bible and read it again. And do not despair of help to understand something of the will and mind of God. Though you think they are fast locked up from you, neither trouble yourself, though you may not have commentaries and great expositions, pray and read, read, and pray for a little from God is better than a great deal from man. This is huge for us, I believe, today. A little from God is better than a great deal from man. Because there was a time probably when we would say that we all believed that the words of Scripture was a great deal better than the words of mankind. But what we're seeing with modern statistics is that's probably just not the case anymore. I mean, look at the kinds of conferences, look at the kinds of books that many modern evangelicals attend, uh, the books that we're reading these days uh, when it comes to uh, these issues. I mean, it's interesting Because let me ask you a couple questions today. I'm not actually asking you guys to respond, okay? It's a rhetorical question. But what if I asked you a couple of questions? Would you be interested if I told you that today I will give you the secret of how we can be truly happy every day of our lives? Yeah. Okay, I'm setting you up. All right, so just limit your yeses. (laughs) Would you be interested if I told you that today I will be giving you the secret to true joy? Hmm. Would you be interested if I told you today that I was going to give you the secret that, uh, that if you put this into practice, you will never, ever, ever be put to shame? Yeah, and I bet if this was filled uh, in a new book that was written by one of the richest, most successful men in the world, and he decided that he wanted to share it with you, the secret of his success and happiness, I bet you we'd be standing room only today. But I'm going to give you the secret today, and it's super simple. It's the Bible. Now, I want you to be honest. Let's be honest today. Did you feel a little let down? Maybe a little bit. Because in our culture today, there is a premium on the knowledge and wisdom of man even more so than the scriptures. The attendance 
of Bible preaching church services dwindle and the real rise of self-help, prosperity, wisdom of man, success principles of pragmatic, post-postmodern, proverbial presentations of the popular personalities of media, music, movies, and money, Sunday morning seminars and conferences. The rise. There's been a real shift in the priorities of what we are looking for in our church culture. That in many ways, we have swallowed up the church and the culture has swallowed up the church in so many different ways. The church is no longer a counterculture institution like it has been for centuries, but it seems like, at least in our culture, in our country, it has become part of the culture. Now, many of uh, those who do cultural studies, um, and I, I just remember in, in the book by Gene Edward V, uh, Postmodern Times, he had talked about, this is 10, 12 years probably by now, how he had talked about slowly but surely, if we don't pay attention, the church is going to be swallowed up by the culture, where the church is going to be more reflective of the culture than the word of God. Hmm. And what are we seeing today? More and more, this is happening. I mean, there were times where Christians refused to give up a little truth, just a tiny little bit. They refused to give up this little bit of truth, and they actually even died for it. Through church history, they've died for the truth. Rather than give it up, they would rather die. Where today, we compromise even less than that, to keep ourselves from getting canceled by the culture. I, think, I feel like sometimes for many of us even too, it seems like we're more afraid of getting canceled by the culture than we are even dying. It's, it's, a, it's amazing just how it seems as if we, how afraid we are of the culture. I mean, what do you think would happen to the modern church if the modern culture collapses? Would the church collapse too? Well, that's how we would know. So if we are part of the culture, family, then do you know that we are part of the problem? The church is supposed to be counter-culture. We're not, we're, I mean, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be salt and light in the world, right? But the church, for many, caught in the worldview of the culture, see the church as useful, not as vital. Oh, that's a really important distinction, family, of understanding. We feel today more like the church is useful than it is vital, than it is essential to our lives. I mean, people will say, if there is a principle that I learn that helps me be a better person and more successful in life, then that's awesome. I'll come to church if, if that's what you're gonna help me do. But, you know, the other thing that I, I like church for, too, is the church also helps me to be okay with my... I'm setting you up. The church helps me to be okay with myself. It helps me to feel good about myself even when I'm a failure in life. It helps me with my self-esteem, knowing that at least I know 
that the rich and successful people in this world who have it better than me, uh, I know that when we all die, I'll be okay in heaven while they burn in hell. So in the end, God thinks I'm a better person. Now that makes me feel better. It's interesting what we see the purpose of churches today. It's interesting how people will respond. It's interesting how, uh, how uh, we will use these things for our life. And the funny thing about it is, is that for many that say these types of things, I'll set them up and we'll have a conversation. And yet, in the end, after saying all of that, they would still want to be the rich and successful person and even risk going to hell for it. What is it that we're really doing? What is it that we're really thinking? This is why many will say that God in America is not worshipped. He's used. Uh Uh-oh. Fasten your seatbelts. The best thing during this series, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, the best thing we can do during this series is to be honest. Just be as honest as you can with yourself. This is going to help. The Bible tells us that we can have it all with the scriptures. Because the Bible is saying the same thing. Uh, a couple nights ago on social media, I posted, um, I posted a, a video, a quick 15-second video. I uh, called it the same sermon. Um, it, and I essentially took the uh, illustration from a rare jewel of Christian contentment uh, by Jeremiah Burroughs. Uh, if you guys, some of you have been asking me a good book to read, that's a super good book to read, okay? Uh, the Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. I uh, took this illustration from him. said this, if a preacher would preach a sermon about the secret of how we can have it all and not lack anything, he said, it would be standing room only. But if he would preach a sermon on contentment, maybe not. He said, but did you know that it's the same sermon? This is huge, family. If we get this, this will help us today. It's the same sermon. If I could preach a sermon giving you the secret of how you could have it all and not lack anything, everybody would come. But if I say this is a sermon about contentment, maybe not. But the sermon is exactly the same. Why? Because for a content person, if you are truly content with God, you won't lack anything. But the mind gets in there, sin gets in there, and we start to think, well, but but Shane, it's different, man. Because not lacking because we have everything is one thing. (laughs) No lack because we're content with what we already have, that's another. (laughs) But is it? Is it? Does it really change? See, joy and happiness that comes from the ways of the world, people will say this, it's better than the happiness we get from the Bible. Well, you know what? God would disagree with you. And you know, he knows what's right. So let's take a look today at the blessed ABCs. The first one, Aleph, Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. Joyful are people of integrity 
who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commands carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us, Lord, to hide your words within our hearts. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing we're going to look at today is the true joy that comes from communing with the Lord through keeping his word. Second, we'll see what it is for the heart to be after God's own heart. And finally, we'll look at the prayer uh, for the Lord to never forsake us. And we saw this wonderfully fulfilled in Christ and in Christ alone. So our thesis statement is this, family. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to lose hope and trust in the power of the sufficiency of the word of God for happiness, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will open our hearts and our minds to the joy we find in Christ and the heart after God's own heart. Point number one, joyful joy. Blessed are you. See, this is the account of what I'm calling the blessed ABCs, which is the account of the Hebrew uh, alphabet. So the first letter is Aleph, and then next week we're going to do Beit, uh, Gimel, Dalit, and we'll just continue to go. And we, and we will go letter by letter in the series. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say, too, is I, I know I made this mention, but I think it would be good during this series for us to join, for many of you to join us. If you already have a Bible reading plan and that you want to stick to stay with it, but if you're kind of in that optional thing right now, join me and my family this summer as we read Psalm 119 every day during our devotions. So for the whole summer, every single day, we read Psalm 119. It, it doesn't take long, 10, 15 minutes for you. To, I mean, well, I guess some may be quicker, uh, so it might be slower, okay? But uh, just read it and continue to meditate on it. Man, it's, it's absolutely been tremendous for, for me personally and, and for my kids. Um, so, uh, so we'll do it up, up until the first day of fall. And then the first day of fall, we'll go back to our regular, uh, our regular reading. Um, but essentially, here's the question. Do you want to know the way to blessing and happiness? Because the Bible is saying here in Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8, blessed or happy or joyful, whatever your translations word are, is saying, are those who, now watch this, blessed are those who strive to live a life of integrity. If that's what you're doing, blessed are you. Blessed are you who follow the instructions of God. You're blessed if you follow the instructions of God. Blessed are you if you obey his laws. Blessed are you, those who search for the Lord with all of your heart. Blessed, blessed are you 
who do not compromise. Blessed are you who walk only in the ways of the Lord. So the Bible is telling us today, you're blessed, joyful, happy. You want to know the secret to happiness, which is if, if you took philosophy at all in college, then you understand that that pursuit of happiness has been the pursuit of the ages, of the centuries, trying to find out what is true happiness. The Bible is telling us what is true happiness. True happiness will come to those who strive, who follow, who obey, who search, who do not compromise, and those who walk only in the ways of God. And this is not foreign to what Jesus has taught us. Jesus made this very clear. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We know this scripture. Many of you can say it by heart. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek. And all these things will come to you. Everything. Everything. All this that you want, that you desire, that's deep down in your heart. James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do than not do it. That's not seeking righteousness. And then John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is a big one, family, Right? This is one of the big deceptions in modern evangelicalism today. Oh, yeah, everybody will tell me, I love God with all my heart. I love him with everything I got. And then Monday at work, you know, you're back to cussing, talking bad about your boss, slandering the person in the cubicle next to you while you smoke in a blunt, Pretending that you got cataract surgery. (laughs) If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Obviously, this is not the message we are getting from the world today. This is not what the world is telling us. It's the exact opposite. Remember, the, cult, the culture is counter. The culture, the world, is telling us not to seek God or follow his instruction, but it's telling you to seek success at all costs over even having integrity. The Bible's telling you to seek integrity. The, the world is just like, ah, integrity, whatever. You know what's worse than being a bad person? is being a failure. So seek success, right? Remember I made that, I did that example? Oh, Randy's not here, so I'm gonna use Al, right? Al, what would be worse? Go to work, you know, and then, uh, I don't know, somebody who you really respect is looking at Al, Al's at work, they're talking, and, and the person points at Al and says, you know what, Al? You're not a very good person, you're bad. You're a bad person. Eh, maybe Al doesn't like it that much, but he's just kind of like, you know, that's a roll your eyes kind of thing. But if I walked up to Al, pointed my finger at him, and I said, Al, you know what? You're a loser. Oh, we fighting. Right? 
<laughs> I mean, I'm using Al. Al's not that way, but you know, I'm just using Al as an example. In our culture, we're okay with being called the person who's bad. We, we don't even care if they call us a liar. We, if they question our integrity, that doesn't. But you question the person's worth as far as success and failure? That's showing us where we are in the culture. We care more about being a failure than we do about even being an immoral person. That's the message that we're getting from the culture. That's opposite of what we're hearing from Scripture today. Don't follow the instructions of an outdated, antiquated, and irrelevant book. Follow the success principles of successful people. That's who you need to listen to. That's who you follow. The world tells us not to follow the Lord with all of your heart. It tells you to follow your own heart. Follow the Lord. That's what the Bible tells us. Follow the Lord. The world is telling us, trust your own heart. This comes from existentialism, where they will tell you that following your own heart and doing what it is that you decide to do for yourself is the only way to have true meaning in your life. Yeah, don't follow the Lord. Follow your heart. Oh, I've had people tell me that growing up. Oh, yeah, Shane, I appreciate your love for the Bible, but really, you need to follow your own heart. But you want me to marry this girl who's not a Christian. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, the Bible tells you not to be yoked with an unbeliever. Ah, don't follow the Bible. Follow your heart. Right? Isn't that the, the, what we get? Follow your own heart? Do what your heart tells you to do? And why do we not do that? Because what does the Bible say about your heart? It's deceitful above all things. Uh, anyway. Yes, and oh yes, family, the world is telling us to compromise. Oh, absolutely, right? Everything today is about compromise. Just compromise. Oh, just come on. Don't hold too hard to those standards. Just, you know, if you really want us to get along, if you want peace and prosperity and peace in the land, if you want everything to be okay, and if you want to be okay with everybody, you got to compromise. That's the only way to have true unity. That's the only way to have true engagement. That's the only way to have true connection with your culture today. You got to learn how to compromise. You want to be included in that group? You better learn to compromise. To be relevant today, you got to be able to compromise. The very willingness to compromise is the essence of what it is to be postmodern and uncanceled today. If you can do that, you'll be okay. Okay, okay, this is what the world's telling us. Okay, fine, fine. Shane, you, wanna, you don't want to give up on the Lord. Okay, fine, fine. You don't want to give up on God, fine. But just know that he's not the only way. Okay, fine, all you Christians. You guys want to believe in Jesus. You want to believe in the Bible still. Okay, fine. You just need to know that that's not the only way. There's other ways for us to get to God. There's other ways for us to get spiritual fulfillment. There's other ways for us to enjoy eternal life in heaven. It's not just Jesus only. 
oh yeah, I've heard an actual, he claims to be an evangelical preacher, actually say that, hey, you can be Buddhist as long as you believe in Jesus. Seriously, I'm not lying. I can show you if you guys want. I can show you. I can tell you who it is. I can't, I can't do it on camera because I have to have Jack turn off the camera. Yeah, you can, you can still be Buddhist. You can still practice Hinduism. As long as you believe in Jesus, you'll be okay. It can be Jesus and Buddha. Jabuda. You can have Jesus and still call up your psychics. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, all that stuff, it's, it's just as valid, it's fine. Have you had some people say that even atheists are going to go to heaven? All roads lead to heaven. Jesus is not the only way, is what they're telling us. This is the message we're getting from the pattern of this world. This is what they're saying. This is what the world is telling us is the way to true joy, the way to true happiness, the way to true blessedness. This is the way not only to survive, but to thrive. Oh, yeah. We're seeing it. We see this in commercials. We see this when we watch professional sports. I mean, it's amazing just how many of this kind of uh, secular, existential, worldly, uh, worldview uh, uh, ideologies and principles that come at you even watching a Bronco game. This comes at you. It's just, it's all over. This is the message that we're getting for true blessedness. This is the way to not only survive, but to thrive. And you know, if you did a little, little bit of study in, uh, hey Jack, can you turn it off? <laughs> Sorry. If you did a little bit of study in uh, cultural anthropology and how it connects to economics, and what's really interesting though is a lot of these principles that you're seeing about how you survive, um, how you uh, not just survive but to thrive, all these pragmatic principles and all these things that we're getting and all that stuff, do you know in the end what it's actually doing? It's not helping you survive and thrive. It's making somebody else rich. Just follow the money. That's what one of my mentors, he says, hey, Shane, you know when it comes to politics and all this kind of stuff, follow the money. I mean, everything, everything that there is, you know, it's, it's just the things that we strive for, the things that we're doing, our hope and our pursuit for success. All it's really doing is making somebody else rich. Wow. Okay, sorry. Side note. The message that we're getting, not only to survive, but to thrive. And some of us, some people have even said to me over the years, yeah, I know the Bible is important. But you know what? It's just not really working for me right now, Shane. It's not making me happy right now. And this is the common theme growing in the modern church. I remember Chuck Colson, he told a story. Um, he said at the height of her fame, as the other woman in the Ivana and Donald Trump breakup, Marla Maples spoke of her religious roots. Do you know that? 
she believed in the Bible. She told interviewers and then added the disclaimer, but you can't always take it literally if you want to be happy. But that's, that's the mentality of so many in our world today. Yeah, I believe the Bible is God's word. Yeah, I believe it's true. But, you know, you can't, you can't do everything that it says, especially if you want to be happy. Are we going to let the culture do its thing? Are we going to continue to follow the ways of the world, the pattern of this world, the philosophy of the world, and the great deception of this world? God is telling us today, today, the word of God is telling us what will bring true happiness. We will believe God or are we going to believe the world? This is, this is a very important thing. This is going to help us if we're honest. Got to be honest with ourselves today. What, who do we really believe? God or money? Man, I just, I just am saying like to my children all the time, to, to a lot of my close friends, and I keep saying, look, let's, let's not mess around with this anymore. No more messing around with this already. Just stand on Scripture. Just believe what God has to say. Believe in the promises that he has made. Because I guarantee you, there is a long list of things the world has promised you and has not delivered on. The world has promised us a whole lot and they have not fulfilled its promise. It hasn't kept its promise. It has failed time and time again. The one place that we have seen for centuries now is God does not fail. God keeps his promises and we have got documentation on how we serve a God who does not lie. We just need to stop already. Just stand on the word of God. Just stand on it. So much so, and in such a, it's, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm asking everyone to like not be half in and half out, but let's just go all the way. When God tells us in his word that this is what he wants us to do, let's just do it and trust that there is a reason for it. I feel like in, in modern evangelical, in our, in our times in the church, it's like we, we got, we're in a plane and we got one leg in and one leg out, just in case. No, see, it doesn't work like that with a plane, does it? There's no half in and there's no half out. If you're going to get on the plane and you're going to fly, you got to trust it all the way. So much so that if the plane crashes, you go down with it. That's the idea. I'm trying to say, hey, you know what? If the Bible crashes, let's go down with it. Let's go down with it. See, and I've said this many times, even when it comes to philosophy of ministry, when it comes to what it is that we do, when it comes to building our church. So obviously, you know, we're struggling, you know, with being a church that's trying to stand counter to our culture. And, and we're a church that doesn't, preach what people want to hear. We preach what, the, what God wants us to hear, right? So we, we preach the word. So this is the thing. We need to make sure that we're building our congregation and building our church on what the scriptures and what the Holy Spirit is drawing us and empowering us to do, right? We all say that. 
But we need to do it in such a way. Uh, maybe I'll say it this way better. What do you think would happen to churches in America if, you had a, if we were going to church, and this is just hypothetical, if the Holy Spirit left it? Let's say the Holy Spirit left the church. Would you notice anything different? Do you guys feel that? I felt that. I've been saying it and I still felt it just now. What if the Holy Spirit leaves? Is it just business as usual? Does it seem like nothing changed? We need to build our church so much so and in such a way that if the Holy Spirit leaves this place, this whole place collapses. If the foundation is God, then if God's no longer the foundation, it should crash, shouldn't it? (laughs) That's what I always kind of wonder for a lot of these churches. If God actually left the church, would it change anything? That's my prayer for us. If, hypothetically, that were to happen, I hope we crash and burn. It's following the standards and the directives of Scripture that will make us happy and fulfilled. No more messing around with this. Let's go all in. Trust the Word of God. Don't you think that God knows what will bring us true joy? If God says this is what's going to bring us true joy, don't you think He would be right? I wonder why we question that. It is searching for the heart of God. It's not compromising that the clear truth of the word of God. It is living in obedience to what he commands. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is what we were created for. And to walk in his ways. And to walk only believing that his way is the only way. Like Christ said in John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the way to true happiness. This is the way to true joy. This is the way to truly be blessed. And point number two, a heart after God's own heart. Seeing the heart of David. The psalmist knows the command of God to follow his words and his directives. He knows that God has commanded us to follow his words and his directives. It is the truth. God has commanded us to follow his commands. And it is the disposition of the people of God to desire to follow them. David yearned to follow the law of God. Now, again, we don't know for sure that it was David, but uh, you know, Jewish tradition says that David was the one that wrote Psalm 119. David yearned to follow the heart of God. The love, the love he had. He loved the law of God. And he was, it was his desire to follow the law of God. Oh, what did he say? Oh, that I would do what it is that you command. I love your law so much. And God, I just, that's just my desire. I just want to do what it is that you command. It was his desire to follow the law of God. And this is one of the passages that I get this whole summer. I've just been reminding myself of this and just crying out in my prayer time, God, I just want to do what it is that you command. 
I love your law. I want to do what it is that you desire. This is God's heart of the matter. God's heart is for his people to follow his commands. And my heart is after God's heart to desire what God desires. This is pouring out of the heart in this psalm to do what the Lord desires. He has a heart for the heart of God. I want my life to reflect all that you desire, God. What you desire for me, I want my heart to reflect what your heart desires for me. I want my actions to reflect the heart and desire of God and even more, as I do it, as I learn it, as I reflect the decrees of God, I will eternally be grateful for all the scriptures will bring to me. I want this. God, I will be grateful. I will be grateful that I get to live my life as a, as a person who has a heart after God's own heart. And I wonder if we forget that sometimes as Christians. Are we grateful that God caused us to see? He opened up our eyes so that we could see the kingdom of God. Are we grateful that he did that for us? So we don't have to wait to the end of the age to call him the king of kings and lord of lords. We can do that today. Eternally grateful? Are we grateful? I mean, sometimes I wonder if our heart is just like, you know, hey, God, I've been following you for a while. When are you going to keep your end of the deal? We think salvation was a deal that we made with God. Is this the passion and desire of our heart today? To have a heart that's after the heart of God? Is it our hope, our dream to do and to be all that the heart of God desires for us? Is our passion for the Lord? Is there a passion for the scriptures? Is there a passion for the word of God? Is there a passion for the Lord today? This is a big deal. I'm not, I'm, this is not me trying to just rally us today and do a rah-rah sermon. This is a big deal because this is no small thing. When we become Christians, we have received a beautiful transformation, the wonders of what we call the new covenant. Let's read it, Jeremiah 31, 33, Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. We're going to come back to that. And I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall one teach his neighbor and the other brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. I love that. I love that. You know, I remember one person says, hey, Shane, uh, you know, God can do everything, right? I said, yeah, I guess to a point. What do you mean to a point? Well, one thing I do know is that he can't remember my sins. I love that. But here's the thing. When we became Christians, the Lord wrote his law on our hearts, meaning we will love and desire his law. It's on our heart. He writes his law and his desire on our heart. That is what we are going to desire. We are going to love the Ten Commandments. 
We're going to love the great commandment. We're going to love all the things that God has given us. If we are Christians, we are going to love his law. If you do not love his law, if you do not desire to do what he commands, if you dread even hearing about what the Lord desires of us, then there's something wrong. Oh, here goes Shane thinking again. Yeah, there's something wrong. What we really want is what the Lord desires and commands. So if you don't, maybe the law is not written on your heart. Maybe it's a lot deeper than we think. Maybe we're thinking we are something when we're not. Maybe in the end, we will hear, depart from me. I never knew you. Just some honest truth for us today. Be honest. Number three. But it does not have to be this way today. Yeah, here's the thing. Hey, man, Shane, you always preach the hard stuff, man. You're always, you always preaching on sin, and you're always doing the stuff. You're always making me feel bad. That's okay. You know why? Because right now I'm going to tell you how you can feel good. We don't have to deny the truth in order for us to feel good. Yeah, this is a hard, hard, hard thing. I get it. But watch this. Do you know what else the Bible tells us? <laughs> The Bible tells us that it does not have to be this way today. It doesn't have to be. Even for those of us who love the law, those of us who have a heart for God, many times we just don't keep the law. We love it, but man, this, these moments is just, you know, that sin, that thing that just so easily besets us. It just does. And, and like the psalmist, we beg the Lord to be patient with us. And I pray this, God, I love your law. I want to do what it is that you do. But man, you know, that person just made me so mad. And I just didn't follow. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I did that, all this stuff. And I find myself saying this, Lord, please don't give up on me. And, and in some of your translations, what does it say? Lord, please don't forsake me. Sound familiar? Father, don't forsake me. Please, Father, don't, don't, don't forsake me. Even the words of our Lord, he cried out with this verbiage, but it was different. Let me show you. The beautiful thing is, is that in the end, when we look at it, the Lord, our Father in heaven, He did not forsake us. He didn't. He did not forsake us. Our Lord did not leave us when it was absolutely in His rights to do. Because though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, though there is no one on earth who always does good and never sins, though the wages of sin is death, Though we are all by nature children of wrath, our Father did not forsake us, did He? He didn't forsake us. But our Lord was forsaken on the cross as He bore our sins upon His shoulders and paid the price for our transgressions. 
Is that interesting? Because Jesus lived the life we should have lived, but you know what he also did? He also died the forsaken death that we all should have died. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Family, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the promises continue that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These things are all written so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that by believing we will have life in his name. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be. We don't have to follow the ways of the world. We're no longer slaves to it. Christ can make you free. Christ has made many of us free. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Family, we can be saved. This is the wonder and the comfort that we receive from the word of the living God, the Bible, the scriptures, the very breath of God. God promises that there is true happiness in this, that there is true joy by just following the words of God. It's there. If you read something in the Bible and you just don't understand it, we have this wonderful thing today called Google. Google it. And if you still can't find it after you Google it, and if it's before 12 o'clock a.m., you can call me. I might not pick up, but you can call me. Or call Steve. Yeah, that's a better option. Call Steve. And then if he doesn't answer, then call me. (laughs) This is the promise of God through the scriptures. And he promised life and life more abundant. He promised the promise that brings everlasting hope. The promise we get from the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. The promise that he who began a good work in us, in all of us, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to completion in the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.